The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello there. Obi-Wan Kenobi here, also known as James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan. Jedi Master Plo Koon. And many other characters in the world of Star Wars. You're listening to... Shh, don't tell. It's the secrets of Star Wars. May the Force be with you. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 179. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hi, I'm Robert King, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we look at the deeper themes and meanings found in the stories and characters in that galaxy far, far away. We're starting an occasional series on the spirituality of the Force, because, well, we're interested in the Force, and we're interested in spirituality. So this episode, we'll be discussing the ideas of the sides of the force, the dark side, the light side, and balance. Balance isn't really a side, is it? I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) joining me on the panel today are Patrick Mason. Good to have you, Patrick. Good to be here. And Angela Cialana. Welcome, Angela. Thanks. I've got my Secrets of Star Wars shirt on. I'm ready to go. Right on. Oh, that is so cool. Everybody needs to buy one. <laughs> yeah, so so this is this is where we really ought to have a video feed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. So this is a huge topic, right? I'm not entirely sure where to begin, but maybe the first thing could be just to acknowledge that the force is not a hundred percent consistent in the Star Wars mythos. And to a certain extent, I I know I'm fine with that. I mean, George Lucas was working on this story for, you know, what, three decades before he sold it to Disney, and he's still somewhat involved today. Um, He developed his ideas over time. He drew on influences from he was raised as a Methodist. Uh, He went to a Catholic elementary school and and I think high school as well. Um, He studied Joseph Campbell. He studied Buddhism, um, you know, just Eastern philosophy and spirituality in general. So he's got a lot of influences he's bringing to the table. And then when more writers come in, you know, it's it's legit that each new writer has, you know, something of themselves that they bring to it. Maybe we could call it their own point of view, maybe. On the other hand, I think there are a couple of themes that are both uh, like simultaneously consistent and contradictory uh, that have developed around these ideas. And I'm hoping that in this conversation, we can tease out some of those ideas, discuss their deeper meanings and significance, both in the lore and for our lives here now. Um, Angela, in our conversation before this, you talked about starting with the source text. And I think that's a great place to start for the record, because I know what a big deal Canon is for a lot of fans. We're going to be taking the Disney Canon as our foundation, including the movies as well as the live action and animated TV series. 
books, comics, games, and so on from both the extended universe slash legends era and from the Disney era. We'll kind of look at those as supplemental points of view. Now with that disclaimer, um, yeah, Angela, could you walk us through some of the appearances of the dark, the light and balance in star Wars? Give us a foundation for starting this conversation. Oh my gosh. Get ready to hate me, y'all. No. <laughs> um, because I'm going to give you a quote from episode eight. <laughs> no, no. It's fine. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so as you can imagine, you all who are listening, preparing for this episode was kind of ridiculous because there really is no preparation, no sufficient preparation besides just being a Star Wars fan and being somebody interested in spirituality. So at a certain point, I just kind of gave up. But <laughs> um, I love what you said, Robert, at the beginning, because um, George Lucas definitely is like one human being. And as often as he will say he was consistent and the force is the same, it's really different <laughs> because yeah as a person you just change you mature you have different life experiences you interpret life differently um so i decided that i looked at episode four right which is the first star wars and we get some things from obi-wan in there but the i think the the more drawn out and perhaps fuller definition of the force happens when luke is teaching ray in episode eight so you know after he teases her um, <laughs> I, I love that yeah. scene by the yeah. way <laughs> so they're on the island it's kind of embarrassing for her at first but she reaches out right and luke asks her what does she feel and she says this the island life death and decay that feeds a new life Warmth, cold, peace, violence. Then Luke asks her, and between it all, she replies, balance, energy, a force. He asks, and inside you? She says, inside me, that same force. And Luke continues, and I think this kind of leads us into the discussion of uh, what we're discussing here. He says, and this is the lesson that force does not belong to the Jedi to say that if the Jedi die, the light dies is vanity. Can you feel that? Then she says, there is something else beneath the island, a place, a dark place. Luke says, balance, powerful light, powerful darkness. She says, it's calling me. And then he says, resist it, Ray. And so we get into that story. But I really felt that. This instance draws out the ideas of light and darkness as well as balance. And it includes some of the the um, concept of the light sort of belonging to the Jedi and being the good guys um, that we get in the early part of Star Wars. And then as Star Wars kind of progressed with the films and the animated series and so forth, we started getting more of a discussion of, I think more explicitly of balance. Um, and here is where we see Luke actually expressing that balance. 
Um, I'm really curious, kind of, Patrick, where you're coming from, because I know that you have a particular, um, you're assuaged in a certain um, opinion on how there are inconsistencies in the force. And maybe if we start off there, then we can sort of um, like after, you know, taking in this, this um, source text that we can (laughs) um, maybe like have a starting off point to discuss like what we see and maybe what there is. Cause there's definitely other examples that I have of, you know, where we see the light, like those iconic moments where we see the dark and so forth. But I'm just really curious, like, you know, maybe based on that particular scene or just in general, what you kind of discovered. So where I would leap off from there is to uh, contrast and compare that scene with the scene we get with Yoda and Luke, right? Because we have the same, the same things going on, right? And that was one of the, one of the, I think the real gems in eight was that director's ability to pull in things from empire, some of the great things from empire and sort of re-portray them in in a very different way. Um, Cause obviously Luke and Yoda are not the same, but you have sort of the, the chain, you have the master of teaching uh, the apprentice and, but you have a description of the force that is similar, but not um, Yoda seems to focus more on the life energy of the force. You kind of get this feeling like, like Dagobah is, is just teeming with life and it's full of life. And so it's full of the force. And so it's perhaps easy for Yoda to hide there. Maybe, you know, that's one of the, the things about it that, that he's there. Um, but it's also a swamp. So it's full of like decay and, and death and, and, and you kind of get this, this feeling, especially when Yoda brings him to the dark place and says like, you've got to go in there that like, there is this balance at play within nature that is sort of offhandedly referred to as like light and dark, that there is like the, the force that binds and surrounds and, and brings things together, that there is a, an opposite of that, the pulling apart, the, the, you know, undoing the death, the decay that is sort of the dark. Right. And then what we get with, with Luke and Ray's experience in the dark place, because we see Ray dive into it, and that's one of Luke's criticism later. It's like, I've never seen somebody go there so fast. <laughs> like, um, interestingly enough, both of them are sort of, you know, Luke doesn't realize it, but he's searching for his father, and Ray is very um, pointedly searching for her parents. And what they end up getting is sort of a very... Uh, obviously in in both cases is a mirror reflection, right? And it's sort of amped up to a thousand degrees in episode eight in one way with the actual use of mirrors and the fogging and the, and the sort of, you know, replaying of the self over time. Uh, And then in the, the fight with Vader confrontation that Luke has that results in him seeing himself in Vader uh, and confronting himself. And I find it interesting that like what I don't get from either of those situations is sort of this, this evilness, right. About the dark side, right. What I get is there's sort of an inward lookingness to it. There is an introspection. There's sort of almost a force introspection. Like the dark side is actually there to make you look inward. Um, whereas the light side is there to make you look outward. But then what we get from, you know, 
generalized speak about the light and the dark side seems to be much more of a morality play, right? Like the light side Mm -hmm. is the good and the decent and the moral and the helping people. And then the dark side is the, you know, the evil and the hurting people and the destruction. Um, And I always find it funny that like one of the champions, the light side, Obi-Wan Kenobi has a tendency to walk into bars and cut people's arms off. (laughs) 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 But, and, and so in my mind, it, it, like it feels like a contradiction, like a rolling contradiction. Like in, if I was to try and put myself in say Ray's shoes or even Luke's, I think Luke's got it even worse. He's in this position where he's like, okay, so, you know, dark, bad, light, good. And that's just how it is. And that, and and that seems to be how episodes one through, or sorry, episode, yeah, no, no, relatively one through uh, six do it. But then you have this sort of like shift right. That occurs with the Disney acquisition of like what the portrayal of light and dark does. And that's not entirely true because there's a lot of stuff that happens in the clone wars and some of the animated stuff. Um, you know, and I think, I think the other example I would bring into it would be Anakin's conversation with Yoda. I want to say it's episode three. Yeah. I think it's episode three where he kind of like, it's the one time you see he goes to someone other than Palpatine for advice. (laughs) (laughs) it's just like finally and he he talks to yoda about this issue he's having um and yoda sort of gives him the um you know kind of man on the mountain wise you know sage advice that you know no 20 year old is ever going to pay attention to um (laughs) so (laughs) it just feels like i actually feel like that plays more along with what we get from episode eight and what we get from episode um, five, as far as like the portrayal of, you know, light and dark side. And then this whole concept of balance doesn't even seem to, to exist for the most part until you start seeing like the Jedi order at its height or, you know, later on with, with Luke. So that's, and, and that's, that's my problem. I see this, like, like this very real shift and in a way like, it makes sense, like, maybe from the author's perspective that it happened, but in world, I struggle with it because I, you know, in, and part of it's like the, in the first four um, or first three movies we get, the light side characters and the dark side characters are, I mean, they're a little bit straw men, right? <laughs> like, like, Darth Vader is like mm-hmm. evil, evil, and the Emperor is evil, evil, and, and Luke and Yoda and, and Obi-Wan are good, good, and they don't really get super fleshed out as characters until the... You know, mm-hmm. until you get the prequels and the Clone Wars and, and that stuff. So that's that's kind of I, it, it, that's my problem in general is how do I reconcile those those two viewpoints? I think I think that's that's a fair critique. And and I think the, the language that I that I use in my internal headcanon, I guess, to to uh, describe that is there's kind of a moral approach to the light side and the dark side. And then there's this kind of methodological approach to the light and the dark. And that's where balance really comes in. When you're looking at things morally, it's, I mean, even in the example you were bringing up Angela with, with Luke talking to Ray and it's about, you know, this balance, this balance between all things, between life and death, light and darkness. And there's a dark place that she wants to explore. And you would think that he would then say, be careful, but integrate that, explore that, you know, bring that in. 
but instead he says, resist it, resist it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's like trying to have it both ways in some sense. It's, it's like, okay, there's light, dark and balance, or there's, you know, pursue the light and resist the dark. Right. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fascinating how that's, yeah, used in different, different scenes, different authors, different parts of the, of the whole Star, Star Wars saga. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not a scholar by any means in, um, in moral theology of world religions, but I, I would guess that what you're describing comes from the fact that Star Wars was written from a Western perspective, integrating mm-hmm. Eastern ideology. Um, and I think that the perhaps the moral side of things is more so influenced by Lucas's Western perspective and the whole, you know, the way of nature and the life force essence type of, you know, light and dark and balance that's more so the eastern interest that he had that influenced him and i think it's interesting that he tried to integrate those but i don't think it entirely necessarily worked kind of you know as patrick was describing um it there is this um idea that we generally get right that is enough to get us through a movie to where we kind of feel like, okay, yeah, that made general sense. But when, (laughs) if you really sit down and, and parse it out, like we're doing right now, it, Uh it, it just doesn't work, um, to have light, dark balance and have there be direct, um, lines that you can draw from one side of the force to the other and good and evil and so forth. So I just want to kind of put that out there because I think, as I said to you all before we started recording, this is going to be more of like an exploration rather than a sort of, this is the way it is, you know, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, some sort of college university (laughs) course, you know? So um, another I was just going to bring up the um, concept of the Ashla and the Bogan, which is sort of a whole nother mm-hmm. aspect of this too, sort of like another dimension or layer of this that um, we get in the Old Republic stories. And that Ashla and Bogan were then incorporated into the new canon with, I believe it was Rebels was the first time it was actually brought up by name by the Bendu. Um, mm. And so he discusses how, where the Bendu, I don't know if it's male or female, discusses how there is there are two sides to the force. That there is the Ashla that is wielded by the Jedi and the Bogan, which is wielded by the Sith. And then there's balance in the middle. And the Bendu says, I am balance. I don't know if I buy that, but I think because <laughs> when you go and watch Rebels, which I did, I was like, let me just go watch every instance of the Bendu in Rebels. 
And then mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense according to what it itself says that it is because it essentially what I'm getting at here is that I concluded that if we want to talk about light versus dark, then we probably should know what the balance is. And I think, as you were saying at the beginning, there's this idea of integration being balanced, right? And I wonder Mm -hmm. if perhaps, okay, so for me, as somebody just me, myself, um, living in, you know, the United States of America, growing up here, I would say that integration kind of looks like in my life as... I am pulled towards not accepting my own reality a lot of times. Like, for example, I have chronic pain. Like, I I have fought against that for so long. And to me, when I think about that, that's kind of the dark side of me is like not accepting that um, sort of, if if you're familiar with Carl Jung, he has this idea of the shadow self. It's like the self that you don't want to show others uh, that mm-hmm. you're sort of like ashamed of, but you have. And until you accept that part of yourself, you can never be at peace um, and you can never have like a developed ego. So that's kind of what I think of when I think of balance. Um, but I also see that a Taoist perspective in Star Wars where we have um you think of if you're not familiar with Taoism you've seen a yin yang symbol where you have mm-hmm. the yin but it has like a little dot of the yang within it and the same for the yang has a little like dot of the yin in it so there it's the symbiotic relationship um And so that's, that's one thing, but a concept of actually a way that Taoists sort of apply their philosophy is to, is the concept of, um, of not, of not doing anything of passivity. Um, and so, so I personally think of that as like a neutrality, right? Like, not necessarily a balance, but of I'm just not going to do anything, right? Like that's a different choice in like moral life than integration, right? Like integration, I think of more as an active thing. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I follow you. Yeah, yeah. That that I I was talking about balance as this this active integration but maybe more what star wars is trying to say is is that it is a a not doing it's not committing to either side it's it's just standing apart like a like a almost a withdrawal from the world and and it's it's problems yeah because i mean you see that with luke in return of the jedi right at the very end he throws down his lightsaber because, as I've read, the Taoist interpretation would be Luke sees himself in his father and his father in himself. And mm-hmm. so in that 
balance, he chooses the way of passivity, of not doing, which then creates his victory. So to him, for him, that's balance in the Taoist perspective. Um, and then you get like, you look at the Bendu, though, in Rebels, for example, who says, I am the balance. And at first, he doesn't engage with the goings on on the planet. But then um, Kanan actually, like, pulls him into it and pulls the Bendu into the actions. And he and the Bendu actually acts and intercedes mm-hmm. in the situation. So it really doesn't. It's not a one to one. It's. You know, it's just like you were saying, Patrick. So it's yeah. messy. It's and like, so like it, it, like I have problems because, you know, the dark side is supposed to be, you know, sort of passion and, you know, lots of feelings and um, maybe decay and maybe death and maybe sort of the, but, but in the, in the reality, like all of that stuff is not bad. Like it's all just part of, you know, living and part of life and sort of part of the cycle. But then at the same time you have, you know, the line from the emperor, which is, I need you to go kill all these people and that will make you powerful on the dark side. And I'm like, how is, what's the correlation there? Like what, like what is the dark side that you're, that by this methodology, you are becoming powerful in it. Like, Mm -hmm. or is it just a trick? Like, is he just tricking you into self shame? (laughs) Like, is, is this, you know, is, and, and, but you get this feeling like there are, there is a real difference between drawing upon the light side of the force and drawing upon the dark side of the force and the powers that that gives you or lets you lay claim to, or, or, um, that build up in you. Like I, I, like I, and I could be wrong, but I don't remember ever seeing any like dark side force ghosts and, and I'm not seeing a lot of light side people throw lightning. Like it's just seems like there are like these real, and uh, I don't, I don't, necessarily concrete but the mm-hmm. very like real in universe differences between light and dark and so if that's the case then why is balance a good thing like, <laughs> like why would i ever want to be balanced like mm. would i want to be drawing from both of these sides on a regular mm. basis am i like you know, helping these people with other justice problems on this side and doing some dark alchemy on this side. And that makes me balance. Like, like what, where exactly does the balance like come from? And I think that's like, it's just interesting because the Jedis are always talking about like the, if you're a balanced self, then you can draw upon the force. And it, it almost seems like from the Jedis perspective, they're like the, the force is sort of neutral. And it's more the way in which you draw upon it is, you know, the effect you get out of it. And then, you know, from the Sith perspective, the force is a tool. Like it's, it's, it's sort of their, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. Sithness, their dogma, their, you know, commitment to power, basically. And the force is again, sort of just this neutral tool. But then like you, you do end up with very solid, different uses of it. And so if it's a neutral tool, and, and but then you also see the neutral toolness of it, like you see them using mm-hmm. the same sort of like force jump and force, you know, um, 
you know, prescient fighting and the visions of the future and, and all of that seems to be common mm-hmm. amongst them. And so like, I have a hard time trying to figure out like what, like how solid are these differences? Why do they exist in practice? And then like, what does it actually mean to be balanced? Like is a, is a balanced individual, somebody who doesn't, who just doesn't intervene even though they could. And then, but from a morality standpoint, that's not always, or not often a good thing. Like it's, it's, like a lot of the times you're called to to intervene or to get in there. So I, that's, that's my struggle. I think, um, is the messiness <laughs> and my, yeah, my desire yeah. for a concrete answer. <laughs> so, so, uh, what both of you were talking about, like started sparking ideas of, um, Tolkien in my mind. Um, and how talking about the magic of the elves, they don't see it as magic. They see it as art. They see it as, you know, working with the gifts that nature has given them. Um, but that's kind of contrasted, not not directly, but but it sort of stands in contrast to the machines of the enemy, um, especially the way Saruman has has turned his mind from um, basically from nature and kind of going with the flow of nature in, in an almost Taoist sense, um, you know, letting, letting nature be itself and, and working with it um, to this attempting to use the natural world as a tool to use power as a tool to impose um, order on chaos mm-hmm. um you know looking at looking at nature and saying this is not something to sort of flow with this is chaos that needs order imposed on it and i'm thinking of uh in empire strikes back when vader is trying to persuade luke to join him and end this useless conflict and bring order to the galaxy <laughs> right <laughs> And and that theme comes up again in with Balin, right, mm-hmm. in, in, in Ahsoka, who wants to put an end to this cycle of conflict that he sees as being so destructive. Um mm-hmm. and yet it it I wonder if and and I mean Tolkien is obviously a very very Western mm-hmm. mindset. Um you know, not, not just Catholic, but, but Western, um, you know, Northern European mindset. Um, but I wonder if, if this is part of what was appealing about, about Eastern philosophy to, to Lucas and, and many of the other writers of Star Wars is, is this sense of, of nature and the idea that if you try to, that, that you cannot, um, oh, what's the word? Uh, you, you can't, you know, nature is not something that needs fixing. Mm-hmm. And if you try to fix it, you will just damage it more and more. Right. So like when you look at even, you know, Eastern architecture or indigenous architecture anywhere in the world, for that matter, you see that concept of working with nature as much as possible and not imposing something else on top of it that does that interrupts that flow you know um 
a couple of things is sort of in re- response to what you're saying. One is we also, we need for the listener, right? We need to draw a distinction too, that when we say the Jedi, we're not necessarily saying that what the Jedi believe equals the light side of the force, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. what the Sith believe may not be purely what the dark side is. That's that's sort of like, I think there's even even more of a distinction there that a lot of times we get told the Jedi are this way and they're they're sort of like the keepers of the light side or something. But mm-hmm. but the further we get in the canon, we see that there's also problems with the governance of the Jedi and and how they apply their own philosophy. So, yeah, yeah. so that's also another distinction. But two, we just had the show about the Mordiscots. And there was discussion there about the father, the daughter, and the son. The son mm-hmm. being the essence of the dark, the daughter being the essence of the light, and the father keeping them in balance. And the question that was posed on there was, when the son murders the daughter, essentially, the father says, oh no. And so the... I guess the Western perspective would be, oh, that's a moral cry that the father is giving. Oh, no, my my daughter is dying. I'm so sad. This is a terrible thing because she's dying because she was killed because life in and of itself and the life of this daughter is good. But you could argue that the father says, oh, no. What's what have I done? She's dying because now there is no balance. And that in and of itself is the good, the balance of the light and the dark, that the light and the dark must always exist together. And therefore, Mm -hmm. that was what was upsetting to him. Not necessarily. I mean. We don't I, I don't remember. Whether there is a discussion of love between that Messed up family. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Yeah, if the that word even love is not involved. one that jumps out in my memory of these episodes. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? Like, um, just the idea of the balance is what is the good, not necessarily, I guess, maybe more of our Western perspective of, oh no, someone died. And a person's life is good, therefore that's really terrible. I I I think there's definitely a a desire for that kind of approach. Um I'm I'm looking at the Wikipedia page on uh this is their their entry on the light side of the force, but they have a section on balance of the force, and they say balance in the force, harmony between all life was achieved and maintained through understanding and accepting the dark side of the force that exists within oneself while serving the light side of the force. Practitioners of this method, namely Jedi, (laughs) devoted themselves to the will of the force. Oh my gosh, Um, total bunk. 
<laughs> total bunk. Yeah, I feel like that's like somebody retconning. Like, yeah, I love the Jedi too much to let them be. <laughs> like, because I They've gotta be the good guys. I'm telling you, like after the was it stories from the Jedi, <laughs> the second Dooku episode, I wanted a shirt that said, "I agree with Dooku." <laughs> 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 Yeah, not so much the third episode, but but, but yeah, it, it it very much like and and maybe this is kind of the fun of it to be honest because I mm-hmm. I enjoy world building and I enjoy living in worlds with the characters and we get a view of like the dark side and the light side from these two dominant ph- philosophical positions, right? Which is the Jedi uh-huh. and the Sith, which have developed over thousands of years. You think about or thousands of generations, which even even more years, like you had a couple zeros in there, but you know, um, you think about like a philosophy about this, you know, magic power that some people seem to be able to use that's sort of built up in these institutions over time. And that, that is the lens through which we see, or that we get most of like the quote unquote truth about what the force really is. And which is one of the reasons I really love encountering the non-Jedi, non-Sith, mm-hmm. um, quasi-religious slash just flat-out religious organizations. Um, and even in shows like the, where you don't have Sith or Jedi like Andor, where you encounter religious organizations and you, you... Like, so there is, like, a spirituality in and amongst the people in, in Star Wars, and it's not always just simply Force-based, um, but quite a bit of it still is. And so you have like the the sisters of Dathomir, and you have mm-hmm. um, the other kind of random force user groups that you'll encounter, especially some in the Legends books. Um, and I love the exploration of the force from those perspectives. And and it's funny because you know when I originally started reading those books, you know all I've got is the you know, four, five, and six, right? I don't have much. <laughs> and then eventually one, two, and three come out, but there's not a lot in there. And so you just sort of accept whatever Yoda said, right? That's the truth. Like that is what <laughs> what the force is. Um, and then you start getting more, you know, especially one, two, and three, you get more exploration of like, what what did the Jedi actually teach or believe? And then also from the other perspective, what what was kind of the Sith viewpoint or mm-hmm. mindset um and you know i it's, it's interesting to me because what i really want to know is like do the sith think of themselves as evil like do they think they're going out and doing evil things and i don't think they do no but then the question is like like they're doing terrible things <laughs> so, <laughs> so what do they think of themselves exactly i mean i mean there's this there's this rhetoric even in in you know today's culture you know that that you know oh you know you got to be willing to do the hard things and make the tough decisions that in order to serve the higher good and and you know in in movies at least that often means you know murdering somebody or (laughs) or you know or or yeah you know creating a massive disaster you know in order you know Mm. to clean the slate so that we can rebuild something better or Mm -hmm. something like that and and it's presented as, you know, uh, you know, kind of shallowly so that the audience can recognize this is bad, but it's presented as something good. I like I'm thinking of, of the whole uh, Avengers Infinity War mm-hmm. uh, when that came out. And and a lot of people were saying, you know, 
Thanos is pretty convincing. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I he just was heard somebody say that, that the other day, like a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like there's this sense of you know sometimes in order to achieve a great good you have to commit some evil to do it. And and I think that's kind of the attitude that the Sith take. So maybe we can, I, I have the Jedi and the Sith code right in front of me. So if we, oh, I think yeah. if we read those and maybe we'll get some insight into their, their minds here. So, okay. I'll start with the Sith code. Cause that's what we're talking about. It's the more the Sith code. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall free me. That's the Sith Code. Uh-huh. The Jedi Code. Now, here's where I, there, here's where I called bunk on that thing you were reading from wikipedia okay are you saying that wikipedia is not the most reliable source in the galaxy you didn't hear it from me folks (laughs) (laughs) okay jedi code there is no emotion there is peace there is no ignorance there is knowledge there is no passion there is serenity there is no chaos there is harmony. There is no death. There is the force. So the idea that someone could integrate the dark parts of themselves to serve the light side doesn't make sense if you don't even allow yourself to process emotion. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's, what was in Wikipedia was more of the Jungian perspective that I was describing, right? The like psycho babble type of stuff, right? And the Jedi code is more of like, um, I guess would be more of a Buddhist um, influence. Um, again, mm-hmm. not a scholar in world religions, but that's my understanding more so is that the idea is this to achieve like not allowing things to even they sort of like bounce off of you right like that complete detachment yes yeah Yeah. so that complete detachment is more of what i see in the jedi than this idea of active integration i mean for example so let's just maybe it's more fun to talk about examples than abstract (laughs) stuff less thinking more star wars (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, like one of my favorite characters, Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? He, I would say he is more like his master who was less like a Jedi, mm-hmm. you know? More like um, Qui-Gon. Yeah. yeah, he was more like Qui-Gon yeah. because Obi-Wan had to integrate his, he chose to integrate his emotions. He grieved the loss of Satine, his love interest. Right. He grieved the loss of his master. We saw he experienced anger, you know, pain that he processed by slicing Darth Maul in half. Right. He grieved the loss of Anakin. 
right? We see that in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. We see that in the, the fight on Mustafar. Yes. You know, you were my brother. You, you just had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> fight on Mustafar. Too soon. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not the kind of Jedi who who sits in a room and meditates and, you know, and then when he goes out into the real world and experiences these things, just says, oh, well, I must be detached. Guess that doesn't bother me at all. And just sort of moves on with his life. He, I mean, I think people love him because he has gone through all that pain and we see how he processes it. It's not like Yoda where he just sort of like has this, oh, like this whole planet just went away. Oh, I feel so sad. I look sad in my mind and my face. And now I'm okay again. You know, <laughs> sort of like mm-hmm. that's how I interpret Yoda anyway. You know, he's more of that kind of a guy, more of a, you know, stereotypical Jedi master. Um, and perhaps he became a, he only was able to become a force ghost because of those last episodes that we got with Yoda in the Clone Wars. That was the Clone Wars, right? Where he meets these like figures that sort of teach him the ways of the force that he still hasn't learned all these years. And he experiences more of the light and the dark and in himself. Right. Yeah. Those, I think they were literally the last episodes of, of the Clone Wars that, yeah, he he very much went through a literal Jungian confrontation with his shadow self, and yeah, that, that, I I thought those were really startling episodes, and yeah, they really complicate that. Yeah, I don't. You never see the Jedi actually living according to the Jedi code. <laughs> like it's it's impossible. Like you cannot have a monolithic organization that does peacekeeping efforts in a galaxy have that code and function like it doesn't work mm. like like if i if i see an injustice happen yeah, i'm gonna let it roll off my back that's not what the jedi I mean, do like they go in and it's intervene. almost like you would need a droid army or something instead. <laughs> <laughs> maybe clones i don't know yeah yeah maybe that, that might or work something <laughs> <laughs> so I find the Sith the Sith far more realistic. <laughs> like in their, right. In their, yeah, I mean at least they actually live their code. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Well, and it's it's sort of like there's an there's you know, there's the aspirational aspect to it, which is sort of like if we're gonna try and live up to this concept of balance and or the light side, you know, we'll put this this code in place and that's what we're trying to get to. Whereas the the Sith are like that's it's really all about power <laughs> and and that granting me control and victory over whatever is holding me back. Um, mm-hmm. I still I still think a lot of it goes back to. I there's always a very big question in my mind in Star Wars about like what is evil and what is good like what so we have sort of the because like what you get in 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 the way I visualize it in my mind it's sort of like. There's a water balloon that was injected with sort of the Christian um, sort of Western value system 
or the Christian, mm-hmm. you know, informed Western value system and a water balloon that was ejected like with the, you know, Buddhist and Taoist sort of views on suffering and pain and, and what good and evil actually is or nature. And those two water balloons got thrown together and mm-hmm. the, the, the splat pattern <laughs> that we get out of that is sort of the, the philosophy, the philosophical situation within star Wars. And it leaves in my mind a big question of like, what is actually good and evil? Like what, because the, the, the two um, religious outlooks or spiritual outlooks, either way you want to put it, they view the person very differently. Um, you know, the, the individual mattering within, you know, within society and within like their own moral struggle and their own problem matter a great, great deal in sort of the Western view on things and not, mm-hmm. n- it's not nearly as close to center stage. And, and in some of, in many of the Eastern uh, religions, it's, it's, in fact, it's, what you're trying to do away with. You're, you want to get mm-hmm. rid of the individuality. You mm-hmm. want to move beyond right. being an individual, um, beyond the experience of pain and suffering that comes with being an individual. And um, I, I find because of that, like the the philosophical view of like the Jedi or the Sith or the, or the random individual in Star Wars, like what is their moral belief system? Like what what is bad? Like is, okay, killing a person... Probably. I mean, it kind of seems that way <laughs> through most of the of the shows in the series. But like what like where where do good and evil reside? Um, and that's that's yeah. all, that's been another problem I've had. So um, when I've watched interviews with George Lucas, he's he is pretty consistent in this one area where he says essentially that. Um, so, OK, the way that he says it is the light side is living unselfishly and Mm -hmm. the dark side is living selfishly. He's pretty of all the things that he says about the light side, the dark side, (laughs) the Jedi, the Sith, whatever, that is the most consistent ethic that he um, has portrayed across the years and the interviews and everything. So um, I think for him, that was probably a guiding principle as he was creating characters and writing scripts and so on, um, that, you know, ultimately looking at it from a really, like, really simple way, opaque way almost, the Jedi being the light side, the Sith being the dark side, the Jedi being for unselfish, defensive life, the Sith being for selfish possessiveness right so in my mind that is fairly consistent in star wars now there is now more star wars material that is looking at things in the middle of that sort of spectrum and exploring Mm -hmm. what what happens in the middle and if there is a middle and where that where that manifests itself in real life um, for example, you know, you brought up Andor that has a lot of that exploration because yeah. war is involved. And when war is involved, all of a sudden life gets so much more messy and complex and ethical questions become so much more, you know, uh, multifaceted. So um, 
that I guess that's that's kind of how I see ethics and morals in Star Wars overall. And see, I think I agree with you like 100 percent, because I think when you view it through the lens of selfishness and unselfishness, a lot of that stuff becomes a lot clearer. Yeah. Well, the other thing that comes to mind that sort of defines good and evil, I think, was that uh quote that Yoda says in, in, uh, I forget which of the prequels it was, but you know, the fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Suffering. <laughs> and, and as a, as a Catholic, one, one of the absolute foundation stones of our faith is that Christ has made suffering a path to union with God. That it can you know, be a, that, a path to union with God. That yeah, it not necessarily yeah. is a good in and of itself. And I think right. that's no, it's an not a good in and of itself, make, but right? it's it it is something that um has been redeemed. God has joined us in even in our suffering. Suffering cannot separate us from God. Mm -hmm. Um and you know, Jesus walks with us in our suffering and it, um, yeah, it opens that possibility for suffering, not to be mere evil, but to be a, a point of connection with, with God and through God with, with all other people. Whereas, you know, I almost laughed out loud in the theater. I remember when, when Yoda said this, you know, because <laughs> suffering is is it, it just strikes me as such a petty thing to be to come at the culmination of this mm. uh explanation of the dark side of and and the dark side taken as evil in in this context i think well that's the difference in the religious perspectives right like that's more of the buddhist perspective i think when we look at our catholic tradition our christian particularly catholic tradition we talk about the privation theory of evil right like what is yes, evil yes. the that evil is so first of all you start with god right god is good god is love and evil is the privation of that of a a do good so you know where there is some suffering or evil or what have you it's because there the good is not there that needs to be there right mm -hmm. um and that you know this is sqpn so we have to talk about demons i guess on like every show it's always demons so, always de it's, it's always, always demons, demons. <laughs> um, yeah otherwise jimmy would just come kind of <laughs> so so that gets kind of confusing when you talk about like, well, what about demons? Because aren't demons real? They're not like the absence like of God. So the so basically to wrap your mind around that, it's like God created all things good. Mm -hmm. All things were given free will, right? All beings were given mm -hmm. free will. And the angels chose with their free will in the opportunity that they had uh, some of them chose to serve God. Some of them chose not to serve God. Those that cho chose not to serve God. Therefore, there is a privation of that do good, which is the good that is due, the worship that is due, the service that is due to God. Um, 
And therefore, that privation is where we get fallen angels, right? So whenever we have like, you know, some kind of demon, like tempting people or whatever, they're tempting people to not to basically do what they already did, right? To follow Mm -hmm. in that footstep. So, yeah. So when we look at the Catholic view of things and we see that idea of the privation of a good, um, that's where we can't really draw those those lines with Star Wars. You're right. Those those similarities are uh, sometimes there and sometimes not there in Star Wars with our Catholic faith. And looking at the light side, the dark side, the good, the evil, as you were, you know, mentioning with with suffering as being one example. That that said, to sort of bring it back around, and and I think this is where George Lucas's instincts are basically correct, because that desire of the fallen angels and and you know all of us who fall into sin um, is to take for ourselves what what we think we want or need is to you know break our own chains as as the the sith code puts it uh, yeah i had a um i heard a really great uh talk from a priest friend of mine who talked about the the sin of the uh fall in the garden of eden and that you have this choice between the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and they chose knowledge in order to make themselves like God, even though that's what God had already promised and, and begun to give them. But they wanted to take it for themselves, K- kind of like Saruman and Sauron and, and you know, wanted to create, um, you know, a, a way of imposing their own control over nature so that they you know, I myself can have control instead of that turning outside of myself towards others and, and, and ultimately towards God, maybe especially towards God and trusting that God will bring about what, what I need, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be granted unto you. But you, you have to sort of let go of what, you know, I need to let go of what I think I need and trust that God will take care of that in order to actually receive what I need. Right. Because ultimately, love is unselfishness, right? Love is self-gift, right? Yeah. And so from our Catholic perspective, God is love. God is light, (laughs) as St. John says in his letter and in his gospel. So, um, that part checks out. <laughs> I love, I love that. We like the yeah, light. I love that. Cause like, that is so human centric, like, mm. because we, because we're, you know, and, and I can't remember which Jimmy Hicken mysterious world episode I got this from, but I'm stealing. Um, <laughs> but because our, because we're optically, you know, that's how we, how we interact with the world. The vast majority of humans is through sight, like, and because we need light in order to display the colors, which is our 
one of our huge advantages over everything else that uses sight. Um, like light is like good. Like it's just synonymous, like period. Like there's no, nobody's going to talk bad about light except, you know, vampires. Right. And they're not human. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. But you t- you talk about like, if we were like bat people, like light would be like our version of darkness, right? Because it would be the thing that like blinds us and, and like, we wouldn't be able to view our world. Like in theirs, it would be like noise or some sort of, you know, good noise or something. And so I always find that hilarious. Like, thinking about it, I'm like, wait, in Star Wars, like, you're talking about the light side, what if you're talking about, to a creature that doesn't really use its eyes as much as it uses another sense, mm-hmm. what, what what, are you actually, you know, conveying to them? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know it's a tangent, but it's, I, I, it's, <laughs> it's a no, I love it. I, it gives me a little Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think <laughs> the language would have to be something different. You know, the <laughs> the salt side of the force versus the bitter side yeah, of the force yeah. or something. <laughs> As, are we are we gonna talk about like the will of the force? Is there one of these about that? About fate and all that? I, I think we I think we are planning like a whole episode yeah. on yeah, like the will of the Good. force, which okay. which is something yeah, that definitely touches on light and dark and and morality. This was an adventure. Yeah, this is fun. I'm loving this. <laughs> it really was. It's been an amazing discussion. Thank you guys so much. To you listeners, we would love to hear your thoughts about the force and the light and the dark, your sense of balance. <laughs> I always fall off the balance beam myself. Um, I'm very unbalanced. But yeah. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Um, drop us a line uh, by email at starwars at sqpn.com or uh, on Facebook uh, at StarQuest Media. Um, we've got a really active discussion on our Discord server. You can get access to that uh, through our website, uh, sqpn.com slash Discord. Um, if you are a Patreon member, you uh, can communicate with us through our Patreon page. And speaking of Patreon, we want to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Secrets of Star Wars and all our other shows here at StarQuest Media. Uh, This episode, we'd especially like to thank Michael P., Glenn D., Daniel C., Donald M., and Julie D. for their generous support. If you'd like to join them in keeping our work going, visit sqpn.com slash give. It also helps us when you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. It helps other people find our show and, and uh, builds our listener base. Uh, so, and especially if you leave a review, um, we're on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, lots of others. We even have an SQPN YouTube channel. Woohoo. <laughs> Woohoo, indeed. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> oh, man. I think that's all for now. (laughs) So till next time, Angela, thanks for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. And just to tickle everyone else's theological imaginations, I want to recommend Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph number 310 after listening to this episode, (laughs) and then email us your thoughts. (laughs) Catechism 310. Yes. Right on. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thanks, Angela. Patrick. It's a weird way of saying creepy. goodbye. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Here's your homework. <laughs> <laughs> um, Patrick, do you have homework? I, I don't. I'm like rapidly trying to come up with something. I'm like, my brain's like, I got nothing, man. I don't. I don't um, well, thank you for being on. It's been great to have you on the show. It was wonderful to be here. This was great. So, yeah, thank you both for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Once again, I've been Robert King. And listeners, thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology.